Hello. You are listening to En Her Element podcast, featuring Maria Elena Madokin and Leo Cadia Chuafe. Enjoy the show. Oh my gosh! Welcome back, everybody. Um, this back. is this is actually the day we're recording this is actually the first day of Women's History Month. Black History Month just ended, but it's the first day of Women's History Month, so it is very fitting that we are recording this episode. We'll introduce our speaker in a minute, but it's very fitting that we're recording the first episode on womanhood on the first day of Women's History Month, which is really exciting. Um, but Marlon, how have you been? It's been a minute since we saw each other, also, so. Yeah, no, I'm loving. So our guest has a beautiful shirt on that says empowered women, empower women. And it's actually one of the cutest things I've ever seen. We are joined with my friend, our friend, um, Reverend Bethany Rule, correct? Did I pronounce yes, that correctly? Right. Bethany? Hello. Yes. So um, Reverend Bethany is an ordained minister, and she could tell us a little bit more about what that means for us very Catholic girls on this podcast. Um <laughs> But I just know that meeting Bethany, uh, do you prefer Bethany or Beth? Um, Bethany usually, yeah. Okay, yeah, Bethany, um, in meeting you, I know that we connected instantly and yeah. we were <laughs> we were chit-chatting at one of our Rotary Clubs. That's how the three of us met was at our Rotary Club. We go back to in-person this week. That's really exciting. Uh-huh. Um, yes. So we met and we were talking um briefly on kind of just like the, the past and how we kind of see spirituality and how we're trying to like heal old wounds. And you're also a psych, remind me what you do. You're, are you a psychologist? So I'm a chaplain in a children's mental health hospital, the manager of spiritual wellness, and I just got a counseling degree. So I have all of that in my background. That's, that totally is, qualified. That, <laughs> remember that. So yes. I know that we just, we connected on a lot of things and um, we were chit-chatting about this topic uh, that we have coined Ice Queens um, after I was let go of my job in December. Um, That's the first time I talk about it openly, Um, but I've been doing really well since then. So I'm excited to hear what you have to say about Ice Queens and how you navigate those spaces. But first, uh, Reverend Bethany, how about you tell us who you are and what does reverend mean to you and how you live that out in your daily life. Sure. So I am Reverend Bethany Rule and I am currently So my name is Bethany Rule and I am an ordained minister in the United Church of Christ. So that's what it means to be an ordained Protestant minister who is also a woman. But I actually grew up in a really conservative Missouri Synod Lutheran home where my grandfather did not allow my grandma to drive. So I grew up hearing that women could not have leadership roles in the church and that kind of thing. Oh. <laughs> You've come a long way. I just want to say are. that. Like... <laughs> there's, there's quite a story there. Yeah. And my, my grandmother would criticize women who pumped their own gas and, of course, female ministers. That There was a lot of criticism there. Um, but so something moved in the heart of my grandfather when I turned 14 and he decided that he wanted to teach me how to drive. And so seeing the most oppressive man in my family have a more liberatory stance with women 
also made me want to uh, extend that to other women. And so I got into women's issues in college, racial justice issues as well, um, but also had some ice queens, some women who really kind of tried to stand in my way as I was trying to become more of a leader and more of an empowered person. So that's what we're here to talk about tonight. Yeah, no, totally. I think that I was just at a women's business women's mentoring event yesterday and seeing the difference between women who are wanting to lift other women up and the difference between the experiences that I've had with ice queens and the experiences that you're going to share with us. I think that um, it's just, it just hits different. I think when people are, when women especially are lifting each mm-hmm. other up. Definitely. I really agree with that. Yeah. And so I think ice queens for me, um, it really comes from this idea of internalized oppression. And so it's, we know, we know sometimes that men are misogynistic and treat women poorly or try to keep them from being empowered because they are women. But uh, women who are ice queens are also trying to keep women from being empowered. So, so let's say that a woman was in a meeting and maybe maybe a man might interrupt a woman. We might see that as more of a typical behavior, but an ice queen might just dismiss her ideas or gossip about her or make backhanded compliments or comments, that kind of thing. So when we're talking about ice queens, that's exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, so I have a very um, interesting view on this, and Bethany and... Um, Leocadia, I think that I've shared this idea with both of you. Um, I think that when we start seeing equality and space like a pie, we like think that there's not enough enough for everyone. Yeah. Right? And we talk oh, about yeah. this in DE&I, yes. we talk about this with racism. Mm-hmm. So this is the way that I look at it. If you think as a woman that there's no space for another woman, especially women of color or women with different, um, who navigate different spaces, traditionally masculine spaces. I mean, as you do, right? You're a female Mm -hmm. minister. Um, If you think that there's no space for other women at the table, you're continuing to participate in the patriarchy. Yes, absolutely. And not only participating in it, but perpetuating it. Yes. So, um, So, yeah, I think that that's what we're here to kind of unpack. Right. How can we as women continue to create spaces and how do we stop, like actually stop participating in the patriarchy? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have a question that I think that I know I'm thinking about right now is pretty like basic question, but I'm sure a lot of people have this question, too. Why would another woman want to like take down another woman like I know we can go probably go into the obvious of like maybe like race and culture and Mm -hmm. education and whatnot but I think what becomes really interesting is like when two women are pretty much on the same playing field and I think I asked this because I remember um I think it was Katie Couric a couple months ago I think her book came out and she had talked about how she was a bit of an ice queen which that was her when she was like younger and getting into like the journalist world she talked about her regret and how that's not good but for the most part the people that were on her level at that time were women who were either on the same level as her education wise and race wise or whatnot and also women who 
uh, were kind of below her as well. So could you talk about kind of like, what is the mentality behind that? Is there like a reason behind like a science or something behind that? Yeah, so I am still a fairly young minister. I'm in my mid 30s. um, So I still identify as being on definitely the younger end of the spectrum with that. And I have most often experienced ice queens in the professional arena um, as women being older than me and in higher positions of power and authority. And I think where that comes from in that setting is a woman being afraid if, if a new young woman comes along who is intelligent, who's brilliant, who may also be beautiful, um, the woman is threatened and thinks maybe that she is going to take her job, her resources, um, maybe even in personal life, there might be threat, threats of uh, taking a man, some kind of romantic thing, right? So there are personal and professional dimensions to this, Um but it, it really does go back to that idea of a, of a scarcity mentality rather than an abundance mentality. It's, it's being threatened by someone um, who may be on your level. And so that is, exactly, that is exactly what men have created to kind of keep us down as well. So I don't know, don't know why women feel like they need to do that sometimes, but I've seen it, experienced it myself, and I've seen many other young women experience it too. Yeah, we were talking recently about how it's hard in the workplace because not only do you have to prove yourself and prove Mm -hmm. your knowledge in the area, right? I think I was actually having this conversation with a mentor yesterday um, that not only do I have to show you that I'm smart, not only do I have to appear smart, now I also have to be worried that someone is threatened by me. And yeah, um, how do you navigate that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So along along with Ice Queens, I have always had female mentors who have been very very strong. Well, and actually, let me correct that because I had a lot of I actually had a lot of male mentors um, in my early twenties. And finally, when I got to my clinical training as a chaplain, one of the supervisors, when she was interviewing me for my residency, said she questioned me on it. And she was like, why have you had no female mentors? And I didn't really know what to say. um, But it was a it was a really great challenge, because it taught me to have a good relationship with her. Because seeing powerful men is one thing, but learning how to be a powerful woman, as you were just saying, like learning how to navigate that is such a totally different thing. And so I've learned to cultivate and and nurture those relationships with those women who are like, uh, good role models. They're almost like a good nurturing mother who's showing you how to be a wise woman, how to navigate the world. Um, because there will always be women, I think, who will be threatened by you, who will try to undermine you, who will try to have you dim your light and uh, make you feel like you need to present that you're less brilliant or intelligent or beautiful than you are. And so you need those women uh, who can help you guide that, those sisters, uh, sisters and women who will help you through that. Yeah, for sure. It kind of what what kind of the the thing that I was kind of dwelling on is like the scarcity part. I think that's super yeah. interesting because I'm thinking of it in this moment at like from like a race lens because that is when yeah. I've experienced the most that's of right. like right because especially like say like you're like in a company right and they're like mm-hmm. oh like we have like three let's say like black people like mm-hmm. yeah we like check the diversity mark right, right. which. I think it's interesting because like one, well, no, you didn't necessarily check the diversity mark. It's not that you need like a number. You just need 
to have a plethora of many different types of people. Um, but I think too, I think that is when the competition part comes in because yeah. I will say, and I'm, cause I will say like, just from a race perspective, I've kind of experienced like the scarcity kind of part, like of another, like, I think it's, kind of going like the ice queens too. I yeah. feel maybe in some ways I've kind of been like an ice queen. I'm going to put myself on blast here. I think especially when I see like another like black woman in the room, yeah. like if it's mm-hmm. like, it definitely if it's like a work event or a space event, I do have a minute of like, I gotta be like, first of all, why is there another one? I should be it, which by the way, that's a very toxic mentality to have because everyone should have a seat at the table and doesn't mm-hmm. mean that me and this other black woman are the same we probably look the same, but we have like different life experiences. Um, But two, I kind of have this initial like, oh, I should like compete. Right. And then I think about that. I'm just like, okay, Leo Kadia, maybe you should like back off. It'll be fine. And then it's, of course it's like always fine. But I think it's interesting because like as women, and I think you could probably like dive into this as well, just one, there's not enough. Now things are better, but there's mm-hmm. kind of like this argument. There's not enough opportunities for us. Like there's yeah. definitely one, there's a lot of spaces where it's like male dominated. Right. And then mm-hmm. even if there's like females in the room, sure. there's kind of this idea of like, oh, we already have like enough females. Right. Yeah. So we don't mm-hmm. need any more. And I think that's when like the competition parts come in because like, mm-hmm. oh, we have all the space. Like, ideally, we will have all the space at the table, but the way society has kind of built itself, at least in the Western world, I'll just say that, and usually just in the Western world, it kind of really is like a patriarchal society, which I think mm-hmm. also makes me upset when people say, oh, the patriarchy, like, isn't real, or it doesn't exist, or it's not as bad as you make it to be, because it's, there's the patriarchy, but it kind of expands into, like, women like fighting each other which is super toxic toxic and super bad because then we just put each other down and then no one goes up Mm -hmm. because everyone's just sitting there putting each other down that's the thing that gets me and Mm -hmm. I think I've definitely have moments where I had to sit back and be like why am I thinking this way you know what I mean I don't want to blame the entire patriarchy but at the same time there's a little bit of that element right Mm -hmm. just they made us kind of think oh, you don't have a place or your place is super limited. Yeah. And if you don't fight other people or beat them down or disempower them somehow, like you're not going to have your spot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Go ahead. Sorry, Bethany, were you going to go on to say something? Um, I, I did, I did have a thought. Um, I just wanted to say, no, you're fine. Uh, just solidarity, solidarity, Leo, because I, I mean, thank you for being brave enough to put yourself on blast and I will totally put myself on blast as well. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it anyway. I'm not a say yeah. I make it known. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I totally, I totally still, and I feel like I've tried to do so much work on this, but I still certainly have times where I feel threatened by other women, other young women. Um, and so um, Resma Menachem, who uh, is a trauma therapist, he's a person of color. He has a really cool thing where he get he teaches people, and this is about um, racism and issues of like wh- white fragility. But he teaches them to get in touch with their bodies and like if they're becoming uncomfortable with something, to notice like what the stress response is. Like you know, do you feel yourself? Uh, is your chest tightening? Like are you breathing faster? Is are your muscles clenching up? 
And I think that I think we can do the same thing when we have that reaction, because I certainly still have it too sometimes in certain spaces. But like, what what does envy feel like in your body? What does threat feel like in your body? What uh, what does that fear, that anxiety feel like? And then you can pause long enough to kind of investigate it, um, ground yourself, center yourself, and then maybe bring yourself back to that welcoming sister solidarity of how can I be open to that woman? Yeah. That's really good. Uh, Bethany, if you could write down his name and put it in our chat box, we'll go ahead and link that in our show notes. Yeah, I definitely will do that. And also, I have a, I kind of have another question. I kind of want to turn it towards like the Christian lens view of it. Definitely as, so uh, Casey, y'all didn't know, me and Marlena um, are Catholic. So our priests are not women. So for us, like <laughs> all the women in our church who are religious are nuns. So for us, we don't have this perception of like female pastors. Um, but in talking about in a Christian lens, and ice queens and being a female pastor. Now, this may sound ignorant. I don't know if there's a plethora of female pastors in the Protestant church. I don't know, like, the ratio, like, number of comparison to men. No, I mean, like, in comparison to men, you know what I mean? So, yeah. like, I'm, I think I'm saying, like, do you feel that as well within that space? Because I think what's interesting is, like, ideally you would think not just because in a Christian space, ideally, if you're taught well hopefully you're taught to like be loving to yourself and to others and like to give opportunity to other people and look out for others but one does that happen in that space you're in in christian spaces and two have you experienced that sure and so in the protestant tradition which there's so many different denominations but a lot of women really started going into the ministry kind of during the 60s so it is not a very new thing if you look at church history i mean it's it's really brand new brand new um and i think it was especially especially hard for kind of that first generation of female ministers who might be either my mother or my grandmother's age um and I know that's just, it's it's been pretty hard, pretty rough going for them, but I really appreciate the ways that they've paved the way for me. Um, I'm a hospital chaplain, so that's a little bit different, but I know the, some of the women that trained me, they had stories where all the time they would go into rooms and say, hi, I'm the chaplain. And the men would just say, get out. I don't want you. I don't want to talk to a mailman or a female minister. Um, so lots of stories like that. I've had a couple of experiences like that, but not very many. Um, but something that I will say, um, I guess, I guess to be a female minister and to be good, I feel like you have to be very out of the box. You have to be very creative and very open to just kind of being a pioneer. And so in my career, in just who I am in my state of being, I have always tried to place myself in settings where I know it's going to be very open-minded, very tolerant, and I'm going to have a lot of freedom. Um, and, and I'm probably pretty privileged to be in the setting that I'm in right now. Um, but I've really, I've really worked on strategizing behind that and engineering, because um, I know that there are always people who just by virtue of me being a woman, being young, um, being kind of a creative out of the box thinking person, they're just going to be inf- offended or not going to want to listen to me. So, but I'm, I'm very strategic about where I place myself. So I have freedom where I'm at. That's something that I definitely admire about you is how creative and out of I want to say like out of the box, even though I think that that was the, um, was that the expression you used out of the sure, box? Yeah. But uh-huh. I think you're very, um, 
one, you're very welcoming and you're also very much like a, a mother. And we've talked about this yeah. um, on multiple times. Um, it's like your heart of a mother and seeing like how you can really minister to others from that, that love, mm-hmm. that overabundance of love. Um, so as someone who is very caring and very loving and very welcoming, um, I know that when I experienced Ice Queens, it's been, I will use the word detrimental to like, yes, to me in that relationship. Um, because I don't, and this, and your story might be different than mine, but I know that I'm not a naive person. Mm -hmm. So when I have been betrayed in those places with that person, that like that person who has been that ice queen, um, it's been really hard for me to like recuperate and like lick my own wounds. In fact, I'm probably still doing some of that right now. Mm -hmm. Um, How have you found it best to like help heal yourself and Mm -hmm. create spaces of healing after you've been hurt by someone? Cause like, yes, it could be something like being stifed at a meeting, but it could also be like, I'm going to spread lies and say rumors about you in your, in your place of work. Sure. Right. So, Mm -hmm. How does one um, begin to heal oneself and also still remain those spaces of love and awareness for other women to be like, yeah. Yeah. Um, So I have a spiritual director and I I really recommend either spiritual direction or just therapy for people, uh, for anyone to have a safe space. Um, But I think when you run into ice queens or other people who want to oppress you, um, what they do is they shame you, they take your power away, they make you feel small. Um, And a lot of of my healing work with my spiritual director, I I have this joke with her that I always go in and I kind of need to like throw, throw a little temper tantrum and a fit about something and rage. So you need space for the rage and you need space for the frustration and and to express the powerlessness. Um, but my joke with her is always that she trusts me more than I trust myself. So a lot of what trauma or, or anything that ice queens do does to you is it really like takes away your voice. Um, it causes you not to trust your intuition or your perceptions as it's being right. Like, like if you're just kind of in a normal space, you know that you're good, that you're worthy, that you're doing a good job, um, that you're a creative, brilliant person, but ice queens can kind of take that away from you um, or, or make you feel that sense. And so it's really coming back to trusting your intuition. Like, yeah, this person is really toxic. They really are out to get me and validating that. Um, and just learning to trust your own intuition again, that you're right uh, about this person um, and coming back to your sense of being grounded in your worth. Um, and from the Christian perspective, I would say uh, coming back to that sense of being unconditionally loved by God. Uh, because you're you're worthy just by existence. You're not worthy by anything that you do or anything that somebody says or doesn't say about you. So that's yeah, that's the way that my yeah that's that's how my faith grounds me. That's really good. I think that um, yeah, thinking about your own dignity and self worth when that's taken away is really I think kind of um, I think like you said, like trauma takes that away. So it's like mm-hmm. hard to remember that in those moments. Something that I was thinking as we were talking, um, how, like, we're all pretty young. Yeah. Um, we're definitely on the younger side of being in professional life. Um, but I want to see if, like, the three of us can do this 
um, yeah. this little exercise is that how old were you when you experienced your first ice queen or the first time you were like conscious of it like this this person it, it I'm your, Leo Kitty is making a funny face and it's because like I'm trying to go somewhere with this no 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 I'm trying I'm trying to think like I'm trying to go to my first ice queen I'm, just, I'm trying to think keep going yeah no 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 I'm just I'm th- I have a theory so I want to see if it's correct I want to do this little brain exercise so um I can go first yeah I think that my first time that I remember there being um, like an ice queen was probably in the fourth grade. And it was like a, it was like a clique of girls. And then I can also talk about the first workplace experience, but it was a clique of girls and they were all friends with me one day. And then they weren't like, I don't know what happened. I don't know what I did, but I spent the rest of fourth grade crying under my desk. <laughs> because they were awful they were so mean and it was like they would say things like you're not pretty you don't know how to read and I'm like oh man you know they were just like preteen girls right yeah um, that was probably my first example and then um the first time that I was in a space when I realized like women didn't want other women to be successful like this woman was mm-hmm. clearly wanted to be the only girl girl on the block um, was when I was working for the Boy Scouts and there was maybe four or five women and it's always always three would be pinned against two or you know this divisiveness and really thinking about like the idea of womanhood and how we're called to bring life and you know um, cultivate life around us and knowing that the enemy will always pin people against each other um, that's just like a a realization that I'm having and thinking about this but like realizing that there was always a cluster and a gang and a ringleader the 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 queen of the ice queens Mm -hmm. um, to kind of lead that game so yeah, those are the two examples that I have of, like, the first time I realized it, definitely fourth grade, and then the first time I realized it in the workplace, so it was probably five years ago, so, yeah. Um, I'm, like, trying to think, gosh, okay, <clears throat> I would say in terms of, like, work place oh my gosh it's jersey <laughs> sorry <laughs> uh sorry you can't audience can't see but jersey's right here and i i love jersey he's my nephew um okay sorry back to the topic i'm trying to think of a traditional like ice queen in the sense of work and i can't think of one the top of my head be marla's not her head i don't know why she's not because that head. was my theory because yeah uh-huh I mean- Go ahead. So finish your sentence, and then I can kind of follow my train, my train of thought. Okay, okay. I feel like okay. <laughs> she knows you so well. I really can't think of a sense of like a work queen, uh, ice ice queen, in terms of my professional life. And I don't know is because I'm like I'm 25, so I'm clearly younger than all of you all. So I haven't experienced work life yet, like truly. Or I've just worked in spaces where like for them, like, everyone has been, like, supportive. Like, I work, like, in nonprofit. I work in, like, human rights and advocacy. And, like, I'm not saying that everyone's a saint in that environment, but it's definitely, like, one of those environments where, like, the reason a lot of people are there is not for the money, is because they're really, 
like have a heart and passionate so no one's really like mean to each other in the traditional sense like ice queens um so i can't say i can't think of an ice queen on the top of my head which i'm hoping it helps with your game i don't want to sound like oh i lived an easy life i just my 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 things are like in terms of like race not like woman against woman (laughs) Yeah, so I think Bethany could probably follow me with this um, because I think that a couple of things. One, yes, you're a little bit younger than I am, a little bit younger than than Bethany. But I also think that we have been woke for enough time that we're being more conscious of how we are welcoming and creating DE&I within these spaces, right? So like five years ago, six years ago, 10 years ago when I entered the workplace, there, like, we weren't talking about DEI actively. We weren't talking about women in positions of leadership actively. And so I think that this is a result of, in a, in a weird way, like, result of the Black Lives Matter, like, you know, um, movement in a way that, no, we need to create spaces for everybody. When we talk about equity, we talk about it for all different all voices who which are different mm-hmm. um and so one yes you're young but also two i think that we've been talking about creating spaces of diversity and welcoming spaces for the past five or six years now right that makes sense i only like i graduated college three years ago so three years ago was the first time that like i left college and went into the real world and went to like the workforce so like and what these conversations have have been happening for like at least like five seven years now like they've gone better but like it's recent but i'm even more recent so that makes sense (laughs) it's like bethany said like we are we're very thankful to the women who held these spaces before us and in your case it happens to be these like young older millennials older gen young gen xers who are like "Ooh, pause you're not gonna get to talk to me like that and i'm gonna remember this because when there's a girl that is coming up i'm gonna make sure that she doesn't get treated that way either mm-hmm. that's true i did benefit from all the lovely women that have gone before me so my life is easier because of you thank you <laughs> yeah so Uh, I had a couple of experiences come up and one is just kind of a blip, but yeah, um, Marilena, I also had the exact same experience with a group of girls in sixth grade and still to this day, don't know why they stopped talking to me. My best theory is that it might've been about a boy, but I don't know. I'll never know for sure. (laughs) So yeah, so it does that, that social exclusion, girls bully each other through social exclusion, um, right? So that, that, that's kind of where it begins. Um, but my, my story has to do with when, uh, when I was in seminary, because I got a job that was supposed to be for a quote, like ordained minister. Um, and how that happened was I had um, a, a body of people within the de- denomination that was in charge of saying whether or not I could do that it, before I graduated seminary. So the body said yes, that I could go ahead and do it. So I, I had been working in the job for six months and had moved to a completely different town. Um, and then a woman who was higher up in the church uh, hierarchy said that I could not do it. And so I had to completely switch my role and what I was doing. And there was this period of being unsure of whether or not I could have a job. Um, and when I, when I went to speak with uh, the body who had made the original yes decision, um, there had, there had been some reversals because the woman who, who was higher up had come in and kind of said some things 
But the person who was the most vehement towards me was the youngest uh, ordained female minister in that setting. The one who was really trying to disempower me the most. And so that is definitely, that's trauma that I carry with me. Um, And it was very hard. And uh, yeah, I had a period of several months where I just didn't know what I was doing with my life. And I felt very alone. I felt like I didn't have any recourse. Um, But one of, so how how I, one of the ways that I have worked on healing this is I have a current supervisor um, at the Children's Mental Health Hospital uh, where I work. And I love her. She's so supportive. She just tries to empower me and lets me do whatever it is that causes me to flourish. So look for the people who help you flourish. Um, That would be advice. But uh, she always tells me that it's my job to reform those systems that hurt me. Um, Not, not to say that that's everyone's responsibility, but I I'm, I am stepping into my power and I'm the co-chair or the chair of many different committees and organizations and different things like that now. Um, So I really do, do see it as my role, kind of like you were saying to pave the way for younger women Uh, to make it safer places for women, um, for people of color, for people who are needing kind of a a hand up in the world and safe space um, and welcome. So yeah, it's been been quite quite a journey, um, but I feel like I'm in a very good place now, but not without some battle scars and wounds. Yeah. And how do we, I mean, I know that once we have those scars, it's like the tissue is never the same. Yeah. But how do we like allow, how do we prevent our heart from hardening and saying like, no, that was one person or that was one person on their worst day? How do we, you know, say like, yeah, just like how do you, aside from what I know is obvious in a room full of Christian women is faith. But aside from that, how else do we like try to rebuild that circuit in our brain to say like, nope, I'm going to keep all women at arm's length because they're going to hurt me in the workspace. Like, so I know you mentioned like looking up for those people who empower you, but how else practically can we look about it? Yeah. So I do spirituality groups with teenage girls all the time and and it's in a very open way. Um, We're just kind of talking about like their values and whatever is important to them. But um, their trust has been broken many, many times. So I'm always asking them, kind of in a Socratic way, you teach by asking questions, but like, how do you learn how to trust someone? Like, how would you know if someone is safe? How do you know? Um, and so a lot of it, like the response I get is, is time you have and taking baby steps. So you trust people with small things first, you see if they can handle it well, and you see how they do it over time. So that's, that, that would be my piece of advice because no, one gender, one group of people is all good or all bad. Everybody is human. Everybody has different qualities to them. Uh, we all have some dark and some light in us, um, right? We all have things that are good and helpful to the world, things that are not good and not helpful to the world. So um, I would just say, take your time uh, getting to know people. Don't close your heart and take baby steps. If, if they can't handle handle a little small thing, they won't be able to handle the larger things. No, yeah, no, definitely. No, I definitely like that. The idea of, first of all, like finding the people that are in your circle. I think that's like super important. And I think also kind of like taking like baby steps as a, at a time. I know sometimes as women, I know for me, like in general, like I think I put like, I don't want to say like reserve some of your heart or like 
be like cautious but I think sometimes like I know for me like I'll go into like a I'll just go in naively right a little bit and be like oh of course everyone will love me or at least I'll like make it work you know what I mean like I'm such an optimistic person which I think is great but maybe there's a little downside in the sense of like there are people who may not necessarily support you they have their own reasons probably not the right reasons but like that's the reality situation but I like the fact they said one find the people and I think like take it a little bit of a time and like, especially I think with your trust and how you work with people, if they can't take a little bit of what you have, probably they won't be able to take the big thing as well. I think that's the thing I'm getting away from it is like Mm -hmm. take baby steps with it Mm -hmm. as well. I think the other note too of like, it's easier said than done, but just because you've gone through something or someone has done something to you doesn't mean it categorizes the whole demographic of whoever is really like all women this entire race or this entire right. who work here or whatever yeah. and that's I think something that's a trap that like we get into like one experience yes. happens and then mm-hmm. we let it overtake everything else which is like part of trauma and part of like how we're trying to like deal with all like the crap that happens yeah. but I think yeah. that's something that like we do have to take note of if, like it's not everybody it's just maybe someone on their bad day or it's just like that one bad like seed that you just gotta like throw in the trash and then you have 20 other seeds that are probably great it can make beautiful trees so. yeah <laughs> that's very springy of you i know I'm, I'm trying to get ready for spring it's 75 degrees here finally so <laughs> yeah it won't be for too long <laughs> 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 Yeah. So, yeah. So I just want to be conscious of our time. And I know we said that we were going to schedule you to seven. So I want to be conscious of your time. Um, I think thinking about navigating those spaces where you are a leader and navigating those spaces where um, you have this power the opportunity to create spaces for other women how about you share with us some practical tools on Mm -hmm. how you as an empowered woman Mm -hmm. empower other women in your spaces yeah Okay, can you hear me now? Okay, perfect. Yes, we're back sorry. online. Okay, so you were asking me um, what what I do to welcome women into spaces that I'm in, or to help help create empowered spaces for women. Um, so I am the co-chair of two different ethics committees for hospitals right now, um, and so I always try to make sure that I am inviting women um, into positions. Um, I I have a new a new chaplain I just invited in to do the prayer so I put women in positions of leadership when I'm leading as well so giving them a seat at the table giving them leadership roles um, and I try to do that beyond just women too right like I try to consider inviting uh, people of color or people who are younger or people who are differently abled like that's always in my mind but kind of keeping that mindset um, if I meet a woman. Whether, whether it's a supervisor of mine or whether it's someone who may be perceived to be as lower on the hierarchy than me, like, and I don't like using those terms, but I think that's just kind of a natural way that the world 
presents itself right. Um, I will often I would, talk. I would probably say it's a, it's continuing the patriarchy, not in a bad way. It's just like, there's no, yeah, other, we but, don't have any other words to use. Right. So it's, it's like the perception though. And it's the way people are treated. Um, and it's, it's, so, so I'm reframing the way that I view the world in that way. Um, but I'll often talk and I'll be like, I am a woman who tries to empower women. Like I try to talk a lot about sister solidarity. Like I want to support you. I want to empower you to do things that you want to do to be who you want to be. Um, I don't want to, uh, I don't want you to feel like you're threatened by me. I don't want to feel threatened by you. How can I help you with that? And sometimes just being, uh, I, I got taught that in chaplaincy school, but like we learned to confront people uh, with love and in gentle ways. I think, I think kind of modern terminology is rather than calling people out, calling them in maybe more of that idea. But it, but if you're feeling it, right, if you're going back to your body and you're feeling like mm, I'm on edge around that person, I'm feeling kind of threatened, or it seems like they're feeling that way around me, name it, name it and talk about it. Um, and, and not every woman is going to be brave enough or in an emotional place where she can deal with it. But I've had many good conversations with women where we have where we've just kind of gotten it out on the table and addressed it. So yeah, those are, those are ways where I try to be welcoming. Um, oh, and also, yeah, just not, not letting get women, not letting women get interrupted in meetings, making sure everyone's voices are heard. If people are silent or if they're getting cut off, many different things like that. And no, yeah, not for sure. I think that I've had, I've had experiences where, um, especially on board meetings where I yes. get cut off. And so I'm, we have very different temperaments. You and I actually, I don't know. I think that you are just a little bit more refined than I am. <laughs> I will say things like, I would say like, I'm not done speaking and I continue to, to speak. Right. Or, yeah. or actually she wasn't done talking. So can you please listen to her? Yeah. Uh, very on brand for me. Um, I don't know if that's the way you would do it, but I think that, I could definitely see how you've also created spaces for me in, in some meetings or where, where we're done that. So I've seen you, I've been on the receiving end of that as well yeah. as on the, um, on the so yeah, with, with, I have teenagers that talk over each other all the time, at, you know, and sometimes it's, it's a mixed group with, uh, with boys and girls. And I, rather than, rather than cutting the other person off, I'll be like, hold on, I need to hear what so-and-so is saying, or I want to hear what so-and-so is saying. And so then the other person is not like offended or defensive or reactive, but I'm just redirecting my attention. Yeah. And that's a lot more gentle and more loving. See, as I was saying, more refined. (laughs) Well, and it's, it's a white Midwestern womanhood socialization. Like (laughs) we can, we can name that too. It's the yeah, that's true. Sure. I'm West sorry. West. Midwesterners are some of the just nicest people I ever met. No one, <laughs> no, stop no, smoking. I wouldn't say nice. <laughs> I, I don't know, but no one. You know, here's the thing. Like, no one's just. Everyone's so nice. Like in terms of how they present themselves, no one's like raising hell. Everyone's like so nice in conversation. So like soft. Usually, when I first moved, I was like, "Wow, this is very different." <laughs> so it could be part of it too. So. <laughs> Yeah. And also, also recognizing that different women, um, and it can be class, but it, or race backgrounds, whatever, but like, uh, making sure that you don't per- over perceive another woman as being over aggressive. Like for me as a Midwestern woman, where we really value softness and indirect communication sometimes, like that's something that I, that's something I continually have to come back to and learn and make sure that I am not, uh, 
getting offended or being insulted by because someone might have a different communication style than me, but it doesn't make it wrong or incorrect or inappropriate. So that's, that's a learning that I've come to too. That's a breath of fresh air because I'm, I, I do this a lot on this podcast where I start remembering a lot of my past trauma. Um, but I remember, I remember the first time I was in a work meeting in the Midwest and someone introduced me as she's Mary Elena. She's from New Jersey. That's why she's loud. Uh, no. I, no, I would not have done that, but you know, keep going. Oh. I about, I looked at this person and I said, never introduce me like that again. And then I proceeded to cry in the bathroom for an hour, right? This is my first work meeting. I was 22 years old, fresh out of college. I didn't even drink at networking meetings because I was afraid to get drunk off of one beer. (laughs) Right. So like, so, so all the edge that people lost, I had. Right. And then I was just introduced by this woman who was my colleague at the time as this is Mary Elena. She's loud because. So, yeah, it's interesting that you said that, because I think that a lot of um, we talk about communication styles a yep. lot of time that that gets missed in translation of this sisterhoodness. Right. Sisterhood. Sisterhood yeah. or sister. Sister bonding. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Damn. I'm sorry, Marla. I just can't believe someone said that to you. Like, this is so, that's just not great. At oh, all. I, I totally ripped her to shreds after I stopped crying and after the mm-hmm. meeting was over. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. But, but that's yeah. the thing, you know, so that, was wasn't neat. that wasn't mm-hmm. the nicest part, right? Like I wasn't, I should have been kinder, but mm-hmm. now I can respond with kindness. Mm-hmm. But yeah. But that also kind of goes into like one, which is like stereotyping, mm-hmm. like her, in a certain way, you know what I mean? That mm-hmm. so part of it is I think sometimes also kind of the conversation of like ice queens and like women putting down women, like we like sometimes just like stereotype the other person. I mean that happens in all different like races, people's genders, whatever, but like yeah. stereotyping someone, putting them in the this specific box, I think part of the thing of like I think what I'm getting from this conversation is like ice queens as well, is mm-hmm. that part of being an ice queen is that you just put many people in a box and you just assume that Mm -hmm. this is who they are or this is the only thing that they can contribute like you don't see past what the facial expressions maybe the sound of their voice or the way that they act you just put them in a completely in a box and then you put it in the side where once again, as women, right, we are a very diverse group of people coming from different cultures, ideas, perspectives, yeah. races, right? And yeah. I think as an ice queen, you probably just put people in a box and you just ignore everything that this woman can contribute to the table that probably you can't contribute to the table as well. Because mm-hmm. like, if mm-hmm. each of us were in the same like board meeting, I think we'll have different ways of how we will go about the board meeting. But that yes. is totally fine because we are a woman who has something to contribute from our own um, experiences as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, kind of from that white Midwestern socialization, there can be uh, kind of this reaction of like, oh, well, how, how dare she speak up? How dare she speak up more loudly than me or more brilliantly than me? That's against the rules. That's not feminine. That's mm. not proper socially. Mm. Right. So there, there can be kind of some of that like jealousy or envy that can come up. So, that's why that's why I have to be in touch with my body and what's going on in my mind. And that's mm-hmm. why that's that's the work of other 
other women who come from that background as well. Right. But I love the, I also just love the fact that you um, are creating spaces, like you and your role are creating spaces for other um, women as well. It just reminds me of, it's a different conversation, but I had a conversation with a a volunteer and activist of mine who was talking about how uh, she wanted to create spaces, um, uh, give the opportunity to create spaces for families when it comes to like education and children and helping them as well as the child, maybe going to college, giving them yeah. resources so they know how to navigate. Um, and I don't know. And that conversation inspired me because it was someone taking their experiences and creating a place for other people who are just yeah. like her. Yeah. And that's something that I really love. And so a couple hours later, hearing you again, talking about like me as a woman, I've experienced these ice queens. I probably made a little bit of ice queen myself, but I don't want to do that. I want to create these spaces mm-hmm. for women to have their own ideas and perspectives. And I think that's what I, that's what I love. Cause I think that's also what this podcast is a bit about too. Like we just want to create spaces for people who probably traditionally don't have the space to say what they want, think or feel yeah. because they're yeah. judged by society. Mm-hmm. So I just want to applaud you for creating that space. Cause that's super, super important. Like not everyone can do it like at every moment of their lives, right? Like you are definitely at a place in your life where you're confident in securing yourself and have like the resources and experience to like be able to do that. Um, but it's just awesome that you're taking the, like the time and intention to do that. That's super important. And sometimes I feel there's not enough people doing that. So just want to give you a little, well, a little round of applause. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm really grateful, one, for your friendship and also, two, for the way that you have allowed yourself to view the world. Because I know that in a lot of times we can get hurt, continuously hurt by the world and mm-hmm. um, change kind of our, our innocence or the way that we perceive things. And I'm just very grateful that you have had spaces to heal from your wounds and continue to be your beautiful, brilliant, super badass self. Um, because from the moment I met you, I just knew that you were someone that I wanted to to keep close by. So I'm really grateful for that. Yeah. Well, thank you. This has been, it's been such an honor to have this conversation tonight. Um, and thank you for continuing to provide the space, uh, the space for women and uh, I'm just very happy with the the sense of sister solidarity. You know, women support women. We have to do it. For sure. Well, yeah. thank you so much. And thank I you. hope that we can get you back at some point um, yeah. to talk about something else, um, something more exciting. Or maybe we can talk about your travels because you're a very well-traveled uh, woman. So, um, yeah. So my name is Marilyn Mariquin. And I'm Leo Kudia-Chwafe. And this is Andre Elemont. Until next time, stay hydrated, take your vitamins, and be kind. And remember to always come as you are. Bye for now.